0: As the colors change to fall, the shows just keep getting brighter on Global Voice Broadcasting. Shows about everything that matters to you. From love, living, and life. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it this fall on Global Voice Broadcasting. Don't miss a second
2: Self-care is not about self-indulgence, it's about self-preservation, Audre Lorde. We don't often hear it talked about, but nurturing and embracing our sexuality, our bodies, our fantasies, and of course our girl boners are hugely important parts of self-care. And if we don't care for ourselves, as we all know, we aren't really much good for anyone else. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I am thrilled to be here with you all today. This is August McLaughlin, your host, and I am Talking to two fantastic women today. Uh, the first is a fabulous author I will introduce shortly. And then I'll be bringing in a kind, living expert and activist, Katie Cleary. Pauline Campos is a writer, artist, photographer, and blogger, also known as Aspiring Mama. She has a fabulous new memoir out called Baby Fat, Adventures in Motherhood, Weight Loss, and Trying to Stay Sane, which has a beautiful message about self-acceptance. Thank you so much for joining me, Pauline. How are you? Pretty good. How are you, August? I am doing very well. I'm so excited to to chat with you. Uh, Could you first tell us about your book? Give us kind of the, the nutshell of what it's all about.
3: Uh, Well, actually, the the title, the the subtitle is um, Adventures in Motherhood Muffin Tops and Trying to Stay Sane." But that was probably my fault because um, the book, I was actually written six years ago um, uh, for the first draft, and it went through a couple of changes. So there's a good chance I might have actually done that myself when I sent you my info. Uh, But the book... um, in the, in the short story is, I started writing the book um, the day my daughter blew out the candles on her second birthday, and I realized I was still carrying forty extra pounds, and um, kind of figured the uh, pass on my socially acceptable baby weight had um, expired by then. So I gave myself a year and figured that I would put it online and tweet it and blog it, and therefore I'd have, you know, I'd have to follow through. Um, and of course, as most good memoirs go. Um, and stories go they, they write themselves for you um, and I ended up realizing thankfully that uh, the whole purpose of, of of the situation and the story was not for me to come to a number on the scale and pass the finish line and you know find my happiness there but to learn to accept myself and celebrate myself as a work in progress and be happy with, with who I am where I am now I um, I know that for me, um, that I need to be happy now and and believe in myself now and think I'm worth it now in order to be able to put the work in to take care of myself. Um, And that's that's what that's what I learned in the book, that it's not about the it's not about the finish line. It's about the journey and and coming to terms with the, the reflection in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm good now and I'm good enough to keep trying and being a work in progress is not anything to be ashamed of.
2: Such an important message. And it's interesting because, and I'll be honest with you, the the only reason that I decided to buy and, and start reading the book was because I know you and I'm a fan of your work and I'm not a mom. So I just want to say that uh, for all of you out there, if you're not a mom, it, this book is not only for mothers. Um, I found a lot a lot of the messages to be universal, one of them being what you just said about how it's not about the number on the scale or trying to be a certain size. Uh, and I thought it was really beautifully honest of you that you start out, first of all, the book is very snarky and funny and in your tone. And I, would you, what do you, how does it start? You say something like on Amazon, it says, uh, don't call it a mom that's that that craps what did you say it's so funny don't
3: don't can you can i swear here
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah um, please i mean okay don't
3: call ahead. it a mom that shit's just patronizing and the um eye on shit is a, um an, an asterisk yeah um, because um i've never mm-hmm. i have all the respect for mom bloggers and those who identify with the label um, I'm friends with plenty. I, I, I read some, you know, I, I have it, no disrespect meant, but um, I came into the field of blogging um, as a former journalist and I'm a writer first. I, I joke, I jokingly tell people that I'm, a, I'm not a blogger because I don't know what I'm actually doing. I'm just a writer with a blog. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a memoir and it starts off, you know, I. I it starts off snarky and and, and and sassy, and I was just going to be the funny girl. And um, as you go through the book, um, the layers start peeling away. As I realize if I'm going to be, if this book's going to be anything that I want to have my name on, and if it's going to relate to women the way I want them to um, be able to relate to. Um, and no bullshit, I needed to drop the bullshit that I was peddling and not to say that when I'm being sassy and snarky that I'm not telling the truth just that that's not the whole truth I have my bad days too and I needed to I realized that I needed to include that also
2: absolutely and that's very evident uh you share straight away that your ideas about body image before becoming a mom versus after shifted pretty quickly uh could you just give us an idea of where you were at body image wise before you had a baby
3: Uh, Before I had a baby, it was honestly, I remember very clearly looking at relatives, um, older aunts and uncles in, you know, the generation before me um, and, and thinking, wow, you know, he still looks good. And. Wow, she, she 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 let herself go, um, but you know um, I'm, I'm Mexican Mexican American. I don't know if it's just my family or if it's society in general. I think it might be a little bit of both, but and my culture. But you know every we're, we're so stuck on what people look like in, in outside appearance, and it's generally accepted, you know, that men age gracefully and women just get old. Um, you know, men get distinguished and women get fat and gray and wrinkled, um, and I, before I had a kid, I just assumed that anybody who, you know, wasn't rocking the sports bra and, and uh, spandex at the gym was, you know, because they weren't trying hard enough. And I got my ass handed to me. Um, you know, karma's a bitch. She was watching. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so, yeah. So things changed quite a bit. Uh, and how quickly did did you realize that, you know, all of those kind of, and I'm with you with the kind of discussed at the double standards, and not even double standards, but just the harsh uh, pressure there is on women to look perpetually young and and be a certain size, and all of that. Uh, did you? Was it kind of a sudden wake up call, or is it something that gradually unfolded?
3: Oh, it was a sudden wake up call. Um, I gave birth to a six pound seven ounce child, and I left the hospital. Thinking that I was going to at least weigh six pounds, seven ounces less than when I walked in the damn place, and I left the hospital in the same freaking yoga pants that I walked in to have her, and all I could think was, "What the hell?" Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you, you read all these stories on you know cover of, of the major glossy magazines that profile the celeb moms, you know, six weeks after birth with you know their 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 washboard abs and I did it. You can do it too. And I keep on thinking that's bullshit. Give me a million dollars. Give me a living nanny. Give me a personal chef. And um, you know what? I can buy perfection too.
2: Um, And throw in a little Photoshop as well. Exactly. And I
3: don't have that to work with. I have reality. And and, and I would love to see baby fat. I'm going to try and figure out a way. But I would love to get baby fat included in hospital gift bags for new moms. Mm -hmm. Because... All respect to, um, you know, what to expect when you're expecting and all the other material that they put in there for moms. But nobody preps moms and moms-to-be for the letdown after. Everyone tells you during your pregnancy, and I heard it left and right, because I've always been very active. I'm a former high school varsity athlete. I did varsity um, tennis. I was, you know, I've always worked out, no matter how big or small I've been, and I had people telling me left and right, you're going to drop the weight like crazy after you have your gym just fine, you're going to be just fine. Like 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 I was temporarily allowed to look like shit. Um like, you know, my past was the fact that I was baking a bun in the oven, but as soon as the bun was done, I was supposed to like just get back on track and not feel, you know, pr- and not be worried because I was going to be just fine and back to my old self. Like the new self is like not what you want. It's not the goal. It was automatically just a separate thing. So you're not only are you expecting it as you know a woman going in, but you're, you're you've got it coming at you in a good-natured way. Sorry, I just dropped something. Um, in a good-natured way and 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 a, an encouraging way from those who love you. Um, and you know, I'm not to say because I do want to I want I do want to point this out. I've had people tell me that, you know, all I'm doing is encouraging women to, you know, be fat and encouraging obesity and encouraging laziness um, when I say accept yourself as you are. One of my quotes for my Chingona Fest community is that it's always okay to celebrate yourself as you are End a fucking story. And it's, I, I mean that, but I I also mean that Everybody has their own version of healthy. I think the, the, the BMI index is absolute bullshit and it's not used for the intended purpose. Amen. Um, I, I believe that, you know, where you are, find your version of healthy and, and, and what makes you happy and, and do that and continue to do that and work to make sure that you're creating a space for you, yourself where you're caring for yourself physically and mentally so that you're in a good place. Um, and and that's, that's what it's all about.
2: Absolutely. Very well said. Really, numbers have so little to do with, with health. And it's, it's sad how obsessed our culture is, for sure. How have all of these issues with your body image uh, affected your sexuality or your, your bedroom life?
3: Well, um, I can tell you, my husband, um, he, he's, we've both grown in this whole situation. Um, when we got together... Um, he once, he once stated that he would, and I have this in the book, he he had said that he, he would never date, date a flat, a fat girl. And, um, we were, I, I, obviously I wasn't at the time. Um, and, uh, in, in, you know, he's, you know, the Don Juan, you know, tall, dark and handsome type of guy. And, um, so anyway, you know, I, I was thinking, crap, I better not, you know, let that <laughs> happen. Um, and, um, anyway, You know, things have happened. My health has taken some turns. I've got autoimmune issues that make it hard to lose weight and make it easy to gain. And the one thing that he's figured out in trying to keep me active, which at first I misinterpreted as him just wanting to not have the fat wife, which was misinterpreted. um, He picked up right away on the fact that if I'm not active and I am not taking care of myself, my self-esteem goes to pot. Um, which means I don't want sex. I don't want him to look at me. I don't want to look in the mirror. I don't want to wear anything but like the most concealing and, and, of clothes and layer everything up. I go to bed wrapped up in so many layers that he, he's like, I'm sleeping next to, you know, the abominable snowman. And he, we had a couple of, of, of um, I guess, come to Jesus moments
0: mm-hmm. where
3: um, he finally like, was like, Look, he's like, I don't care what you weigh. I care how you feel about yourself because to be truthful, I want some and I'm not going to get some if you're not happy. And I want you to be able to see yourself the way I see you, which is beautiful no matter what. But you need to see it, too. So mm-hmm. get your ass on the elliptical and get to it. Mm-hmm. And 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 the first couple of times, you know, I mean, it's hard starting yeah. a new start getting back on there is it, hard. Um, but he's right. If I'm not taking care of myself, he's not getting any because I'm I'm ashamed. Of, I, I, I end up um, obsessing uh, for the wrong reasons. And I start buying into the societal, you know, societal bullshit again.
2: Wow. I love the honesty that you two have had about this. And I think that's a real challenge for a lot of couples. And what you said your husband said is what I hear about a lot of partners, uh, male and female, you know, saying that. They just wish their partner could see what what they see, and it has so much to do with how we feel. Uh, any tips for communication with you, with your with your guy? Has it always been fairly easy to talk about, or is it one of those things you just kind of have to, you know, say it's worth the, the challenge?
3: And he's had to push me um, to talk, and it is worth the challenge to um, to try and broach the subject. Um, um, so maybe honestly, the, the most honest, in, um, the most honest thing that I can say to listeners who might not be <clears throat> the talky type or the, um, the the one who's going to lead the charge on the conver- on, on the tough talks. My husband knows I'm a writer first. Um, if I've written about it, I can talk about it. It takes like I I, I could not you know once I owned the bulimic past. Um, and the eating disordered past and all of that, and, and writing, uh, in writing, ver- in, in um, on my blog and, and, and such, that's when I was able to start, you know, speaking the words out loud. Um, I'm not sure if everybody's like that or if it's just my little writer brain, but that's how it works. So when there's something tough that we need to talk about, I know he goes on my blog every now and then. He doesn't tell me, but I know he goes <laughs> on there and he reads. Yeah. Um, and. He knows about girlbodypride.com, and he knows about, you know, the anthology that I'm working on putting together for that, and, you know, he goes on Aspiring Mama, and, he, and, he, and he's read parts of Baby Fat, but not all, so he knows what my topics are and what I'm thinking when I'm not talking. When I'm not talking is when he starts pushing, and he I've to, I have told him one time um, when he first got together, if I'm not talking... And you start pushing, I'm going to get pissed, but you still need to push because I am going to resist at first. Um, Because that's just what I do. I'm going to get pissed and you're going to get mad too. And if you stop pushing, I'm not going to push back. Um, So that's one of the things that I was able to communicate clearly at the beginning. And one of the reasons that he knows... That if one tactic doesn't work when he's talking to me and I take it the wrong way or I take it personally as opposed to um, seeing his uh, uh, suggestions for me working to exercise as a means to keep myself mentally um, on the right track and feeling good about myself as the most important factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He knows that because I, I told him that. but. I was able to recognize that as part of the way my psyche works. So oh, for listeners gotcha. who might think that, well, I, I, that's too hard. I can't talk about that with him. You know what? Write him a note, right? If, if, if you work with right with words too on paper, put a little sticky note, you know, uh, in his lunchbox or send him a text message. We need to talk, give him a couple of keywords. You know, I, I'm not feeling good about myself today. Just push me to talk. Just something that. so that he's doing the pushing Sure, and, and, and just like a little, that
2: a little way to communicate and start things and a really, you know, like you said, it's, it's baby steps. That's so important. Excuse me. So before I let you go, our time goes so quickly, let us know where we can learn more about your work and get this fabulous book.
3: Well, uh, Baby Fat is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million sites, uh, all the major online retailers. You can get it in um, paperback or uh, in digital format for Nook or Kindle, uh, which is great. I know that if you get by it on Amazon as paperback, get the Kindle version for free. So that's a plus. Um, And I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to feedback from readers. I love connecting with readers on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, connect with me on Twitter. I'm Pauline underscore Campos, uh, C-A-M like Mary, P like Paul, O-S. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot, and uh, that's the same same handle. It's easy that way. My Facebook page is Pauline M Compost after the backslash from the Facebook.com deal, and um, that's that's really about it. I'm, I'm glad that I was I was glad to talk with you and, and connect with your uh, incredible audience. I love what you do, August, and I'm glad to be a part of it
2: wonderful thank you so much for joining us pauline i don't know about you all but i have noticed a huge connection between personal empowerment and a desire to care for others animals included my next guest katie cleary is an activist and founder of peace for animals a welfare organization that protects animals against harmful human interference around the globe i'm so happy to have you on the line with me here katie how are you doing Oh, good. How are you guys doing? Very well. Very well. And this is a topic that is very dear to my heart. And I watched your uh, documentary, Give Me Shelter, which was so moving. Uh, What inspired you. you to do this work in the first place?
0: You know, I started when I was really young, um, about 12 years old. Um, I grew up with my mom in Chicago, and we would rescue um, bottle feed kittens, and we would, you know, um, also you know er- everything from oh my gosh, raccoons to squirrels to pretty much everything that we could we could find baby birds, and then rehabilitate them, and then um, we would release the, the wild animals back into the wild. And then the, the cats we would try to find homes for, and so it was, it was always something uh, when I was, you know, younger that I've always been passionate about, and I always wanted to have my own animal welfare organization. So um, I worked. My first project was actually um, when I was about 11 years old with World Wildlife Fund. Um, we raised a lot of money for tiger conservation. Back then, there was only 5,000 tigers left in the wild. And now, my first campaign with these for Animals was for tiger conservation and Born Free. Um, in India, in the Saputa region, there's only 1,500 tigers left in the wild, um, 3,200 tigers left uh, total around the world. So I thought that that would be, you know, appropriate because that was my first campaign being younger, when I was really young, um, to have my first campaign starting with Peace for Animals be tiger conservation. So, Wow.
2: Um,
0: yeah, so I would say, you know, my, my passion's always been endangered species, but, you know, I love all animals, so we, you know, try to advocate, um, be a voice for the voices for, you know, domestic, wild, exotic, everything,
2: farm animals. That is awesome. I love that so much. And one thing that I, I admire in particular is the fact that it's, you know, it's really heartbreaking work, too, because you have to be so, I think it's important for all of us to be aware of, you know, the the crises that, that are going on with animals um, around the world. And it's also, be, when you love animals, it's it can be really painful. What helps you get through that part of it? Because, you know, your documentary, I thought, did a really good job of presenting the challenges and it, it's heart-wrenching, but you also didn't go so, you know, so far that it was unwatchable for me, you know, like when you're really sensitive, I had to like walk out of Water for Elephants, for example. Um, how do you yeah. deal with that? Well, you know,
0: honestly, it, it's something that, um uh, you know, when I started the documentary, it was in 2012, and so it was something where, you know, I wanted to do something that was impactful, um, that was about the most important animal welfare issues, from the ivory trade to tiger conservation to, to puppy mills. So, um, and, and everyone was like, you know, how are you going to highlight all of these issues? Why don't you just, you know, stick with one topic similar to blackfish or the cove? And, um, and, and everyone thought, you know, I couldn't do it. And I said, look, there's too many issues. To just highlight one. I want to highlight them all because they're all crucial and they're all, you know, they're happening in our lifetime. So, um, you know, in order to really kind of deal with all the issues, you really just have to look at it from a standpoint where if we don't do this, then honestly, we're going to lose these species forever because once there are things in the wild, you can't reintroduce them uh, from captivity into the wild again. So, um, you know, so I look at it as, wow, if I don't do this, who else is going to do it? And I want my children to be able to see these animals in the wild. So it's something that, it's not that you get used to it, you know, you are it's the cruelty that happens you, you are very shocked I mean I, I see hundreds of emails a day of people sending me things that you know that happen to these, these animals that are heartbreaking but it's like you put that aside you compartmentalize and you say look this is happening what are we going to do to solve this how are we going to keep forging forward to make a difference and be a voice for these animals because you know we share this planet with 8.7 million species and we're just one of them and you know we really have to do what we can to be a voice and stand up for, for the rest of that are here as well. They're just trying to
2: survive. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you talk about so many different topics within Give Me Shelter uh, about animals, everything from, you know, adopting puppies to uh, domesticating wildlife. Just in a nutshell, if you could just share, what's the main problem with puppy mills and buying uh, pets from or dogs from the pet store? You know, um, the the main issue with puppy
0: mills, honestly, is, is the fact that these breeders just don't have any regard for these animals, and they're and they're literally backyard facilities for hundreds and hundreds of dogs and cats um, that are they're just turned out. You know, from from you know every single heat cycle, these animals are basically bred just for the profit, and it's just and it has they have no regard for you know, the way the animals feel. They're not even let out of the cages. They're not even, you know, they're not socialized. Um, you know, Some of them just live in wire cages their whole life in, in their own feces and excrement. And it's just, it's painful the fact that these people could think this is okay to make money and they profit off of these poor lives that keep breeding and breeding and breeding, you know, these dogs and cats just to be sold to pet stores. So I think it's important when, you know, 10 million animals get put down every year in U.S. shelters that we have to go to the shelters and rescue the animals from the shelters and, and really, you know, n- not, you know, buy these purebreds when you can find, you know, half the animals in, in shelters, you know, as purebreds. You can find anything that you want basically in a shelter. And, and I wouldn't say go into a shelter even, you know, look for a specific purebred. I would say, you know, go in um, and, and just kind of be open-minded and whatever animal reacts to you the best, I would say take them.
2: That Whatever, is such you know, a good point. Most
0: excited to see you. Yeah, you know, that's I, that's what I would say.
2: I love that, and it really resonates because um, I have my second dog now. My first and second are both rescues, uh, and I ha- didn't I didn't know much about the bulldog breeds. And when I when I met the first one, it was like the first time I had that like love at first sight, which sounds so cheesy, but it was like. It was instant. You have a connection, and one interesting thing to me is that people often ask when they know that you know I have um, I have rescue dogs that they want to know. Well, how did you tame it? Like as though you're de- you're definitely going to get this dog that's really, you know, and obviously some dogs in shelters have been mistreated and whatnot, but what can you tell people about behavioral um, issues? Is that something that they need to consider when they go into a shelter, or is that just kind of a myth that, that people weigh into? You
0: know, honestly, I think it's a myth. I mean, I, I just went to the Riverside Shelter. Um, it was actually on Saturday, meaning that California State has the shelter animal. So we got that bill passed, which was great with my partner, uh, social compassion and legislation, Judy Mancuso. So, so we were all there and I said, look, you know, I can't go into the shelter and, and maybe, and not come out with a, with a rescued animal. So my boyfriend and I, um, ended up rescuing, uh, this little, little terrier mix, uh, named Lucy and she was very timid and she was very afraid. But I know that, you know, at the shelter, that's how these animals are. They're just not used to the surroundings. You know, there's a million you know, dogs barking at once. There's people coming in and out. You know, they're scared. And so, you know, when you go to a shelter, that's not really, you know, the animal that you see a shelter is not necessarily the animal that you're going to get. So you have to, you know, take them out, socialize them, you know, give them a lot of love and care, and they end up being amazing animals. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got, let's see, I've got 12 right now. <laughs> 12 <laughs> dogs? Five, five dogs. Five uh. dogs. Five dogs are up cats because I have the bottle babies. And uh. honestly, you know, every single one of them I either found on the street or if they're from the shelter, and they're the best dogs that I've ever had because,
2: they know that they've been rescued. You That's know, they, so true. They know that they, yeah. yeah. It's like there's they a really gratitude, do. and it's it's just amazing to, I I can absolutely attest to that because it's there's a special bond that happens, and I feel like there's that whole. Uh, my sister gave me a, a bumper sticker that says my my rescue dog rescued me, which is so true. They give us so much. And so true. I'm yeah. It's so much so true. Yeah. It
0: is, and, and I encourage anyone to go to the shelter, and and you know don't don't think about a specific breed that you want. You know, just, it's about the connection. It's about the soul of of the animal and how they connect with you and how they react to you. And if they react to you in a positive way and they're excited, why do they take them?
2: Why not? Absolutely. Give them the try. Absolutely. Yeah. You're saving a
0: life, you know? Wonderful,
2: wonderful advice. And what's the problem with circuses? Because, you know, I think so many people are raised going to the circus and they just see it as oh well the animal's having a good time but I know there's a lot of uh, mistreatment what what are the biggest issues with circus animals
0: well the thing with circuses is, is, is a lot of people don't know what it takes to train these animals so what they do is they they break their spirit especially with elephants you know they um they have to be able to you know train them and and actually what they do is they make them fearful of humans so that they'll you know perform the way they want them to perform and not you know uh lash out but unfortunately because these animals are are abused and tortured in many cases as you've seen with some, some of the undercover footage and we have some you know in in our film given shelter Um, it's, you know, enough is enough. You know, they can't take it anymore. So what they do is they end up lashing out and then, you know, they end up killing, you know, one of their trainers or they end up getting, getting out and getting loose. And then they end up, you know, inevitably getting killed or shot because they pose a threat to humans. So these animals really, they need to be protected in the wild. They don't need to be in captivity. And we need to start focusing on protecting not only them in the wild, but their environment. Because if they can't protect the environment, we can't save the animals and we can't save ourselves. As humans, so you know, I think that the most important thing is to take these animals out of captivity, protect their their environment, protect whether they're in you know Africa, which is you know so many horrible things are happening now in Zimbabwe with Mugabe, in Zimbabwe, selling their elephants to China, um, you know. So so the issue is is that we need to be able to protect them in the wild, where they belong, and not have them perform. For for what our entertainment because that's what it is it's, a, it's actually a bad form of entertainment to have them in captivity and teaching children that that humans are dominant over these animals which we are absolutely not mm. it is not our job to you know to be dominant and have these animals perform for you know for what fun and giggles and you know yeah. and you know our like I said entertainment it's not fair absolutely it's really yeah. not
2: beautifully said thank you uh, what yeah. about animal testing because I know it's very easy to accidentally, you know, support, um, for example, cosmetics being tested on animals. Is that something that still happens frequently? And- it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah. How, so give us some examples and how can we make sure we're not contributing to that?
0: Well, you know, honestly, the best thing you can do is, you know, um, whether it's, um, you know, gosh, any product that, whether it's cosmetics, whether it's, um, you know, hair products, if you look on the back and it has either a rabbit or it says no animal testing, that's what you want to look for. If it doesn't say anything on the back for the product, it's usually tested on animals. So the most important thing is to look and make sure that it's labeled, not, not tested or it has the rabbit, which is the official PETA symbol, uh, you know, for no testing on animals. And then also, you know, there's a million websites that you can go to, uh, that, you know, that list the products that are cruelty free and and do your research i would say before you go to the store and before you you know commit to a brand um do your research and make sure that they don't test you know i know there's a lot of great great brands at sephora and ulta3 you know um like tarte and urban decay that they don't test on animals and they have great cosmetics and great you know um facial products so um you know you know there's some, there's millions of women out there that really just need to be directed into in, the right you know resources in order to you know, really make a change, and, and they want to, I think, like women, they want to be a part of the solution. They don't want to have these animals, you know, being tortured for their vanity, you know, and I think that they, it's just not in the mainstream media, so that's, you know, why we actually discovered World Animal News, to to get it out there, to, you know, highlight the latest breaking issues in animal welfare, including, you know, cosmetics and, and the entertainment industry and, um Beauty industry, you know, it's um, you know, not just about endangered species and, and what's happening in Africa and Asia and India. It's about you know what's happening in our own backyards and and how we can, you know, be a part of the solution when we go to the grocery store. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I encourage you know everyone to check out worldanimalnews.com, which is uh, something I've been working on for quite some time, which was a radio show that we turned into basically the CNN for animal welfare, and it, and it really it gives you the solutions on how you can be a part, you know, of um
2: you know, a change, a positive change. I love that. And I feel like every knowing that we are helping animals it is such an empowering step to take and knowing that we can make all these every small choice adds up that we can make a difference because I think that helps with that sense of hopelessness, you know, for sure. Uh, how can we yeah. learn more about your work and support what you do?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I would love uh, for people to, to, you know, give me Shelter. Um, if they, you know, if they have a Netflix account, you can get it on Netflix. It's the tiger poster. <laughs> um, and it's um, an hour and a half documentary that I produced. Um, and it took me about three years to do it. And it highlights everything from fur trade to steel clubbing, the ivory trade, tiger conservation, pupping bills, adopting animals, not shopping. Um, like the whole gamut and um, yeah please watch it um, you can also download it worldwide if you're listening um, in other countries on uh, give-me-shelter.com which is our website for the film and then um, also you know every day we're updating worldanimalnews.com to bring you the latest breaking issues so please um, visit worldanimalnews.com um, our website and we have a video from Zingala's Mitchell uh, from CNN and and we actually uh, are on the recording on these issues as well so we've got um, you know the solutions on how we can all be a part of you know of positive change uh, together mm-hmm. if you're involved in animal welfare and environmental issues because we also highlight uh, the environmental issues as well on the site and then um, yeah follow me on Instagram pdk 11 um, and peace for animals is my charity if you would like to donate um, you know to help all the initiatives that we're working on is peace the number four animals.net
2: beautiful thank you so much for all that you do and and for sharing some time with us yeah. today Yeah, thank you so much. Such wonderful guests today. I'm so grateful for both of these ladies for all they do. They're wonderful role models. Please do check out their work. I asked Dr. Megan Fleming to weigh in on our earlier topic, which happens to be one of her many areas of expertise. How important is it for moms to feel sexy and make time for intimacy? Any tips for making that happen?
1: August. Love this question. How important is it for busy moms to feel sexy and make time for intimacy? Well, the only thing I can say to this question is it's non-negotiable. I think all ladies out there need to know at the deepest part of uh, sort of their being and their soul that the only way to feel truly sexy is not coming from your partner. It's coming from inside. And I think too often we're just running on empty or it can feel like we've got one foot on the gas, one on the brake. And I can assure you that your to-do list is never going to get done. I had to learn this, you know, a few years ago. And so what I would say here is, Self care and sexy time is non negotiable. There's a reason they say, you know, on the airplane that you put the oxygen mask on yourself first before your child. I think in our culture it certainly seems to look like, you know, we put kids first or relationship first relationships first and ourselves last. And I'm wanting to reverse that order because we have to put ourselves first. It is absolutely not selfish. It's essential. If you don't refuel yourself, if you don't make time to feel sexy, connected, how do you imagine you're going to attract that energy with your partner and in life? And so I think we need to empower ourselves to realize it starts within and i i don't know what it makes you feel sexy so the practical to-dos here are you know is it a hot bath you know with um lavender or you know Epsom salts or like, what makes you, what do you wear? What do you put on? Is it sexy lingerie? Is it a camisole? Is it low lighting? Is it a fragrance? I think if we ask ourselves, I believe in self as expert internally, we all know what feels true for us. So really take a minute. That's, that's the exercise from this question today is take a minute and maybe even longer than that to really ask yourself, what makes you feel sexy? And what could you do for yourself today, this week, and a commitment every week to make yourself feel sexy? I'm going to challenge you all with that, and I can't wait to hear how it goes. And I'm just inviting you to bring your sexy self.
2: Self care and sexy self time are non negotiable. I love that. Thank you, Dr. Megan. I hope you will all take her up on those challenges. And if you do, we would love to hear from you. Drop me a note through my website, augustmclaughlin.com, or find me on social media. To learn more about Dr. Megan, visit greatlifegreatsex.com and follow her on Twitter, Megan Fleming, PhD. Now for some spicy educational fun. I asked my friend and brilliant writer, Jess Witkins, to share a bit of a teaser for our upcoming Girl Boner Twitter party hosted by the spectacular Artemis Film Festival crew. The party is going to take place on Thursday, October 29th from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Hey, everyone. I'm Jess from Jess Witkins Happiness Project. I'm a writer, blogger and sometimes funny. I have a question for you. Besides the genitals and breasts, what other body part swells during intercourse? Any guesses? It's actually the inner nose, which is made from the same type of erectile tissue as the penis. I'll be sharing more sex trivia at the Women Kick-Ass Party on October 29th at 7 p.m. Pacific. I hope you'll join us. The nose, seriously? You guys, who guessed that? Did anybody? Wow, and how fabulous is Jess, seriously? I hope you will all join us on the 29th. Uh, Dr. Megan and I will be participating in a QA and a on ending sexual shame, such an important topic. And Jess will be manning our trivia. You may just win a fantastic prize from Good Clean Love, the makers of luxurious organic intimacy products. To join in, simply search for the hashtag WomenKickAss. To learn more about Jess, subscribe to her hilarious blog. You can find it at jesswitkins.wordpress.com. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes so you will not miss a beat. While you're there, we really hope you'll consider leaving us a rating and simple review. To support Girl Boner and get some fabulous sex toys, shop at Good Vibrations by clicking on the ad on my website. Again, that's augustmclaughlin.com. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and joining me, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.